1: This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the
2: leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast. Brian Robb, Rich Levine, a frustrating loss in San Antonio. Uh, B-Robb, the Celtics come home this weekend for a Saturday night battle with the bubble champion Lakers. Uh, Boston's now the fifth seed in the East. Loses a 4-6. But I want to start this a a little bit, a, a brighter tone, all right? That's a kind of a depressing start. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you, to get us started here, the top five scores in the NBA mm. at this moment. Sure. And when I say top five scores, I mean the players who have scored the five most points. We're not talking about average here. Okay. Just bulk pointage. Yes. Okay. So number one, Steph Curry. Impressive. Him. Good for him. Good, good, good for Steph. 499 points. Currently leads the NBA. Uh, number two, someone else you may have heard of, LeBron James. Also familiar with him. Um, uh, you might have a future yeah 36 years old still doing it uh th- number three luca Dončić. donk i stumbled when i said that <laughs> luca number three tied at number four so this is four and five number four is bradley beal number five is jalen brown that is funny that those two are tied
0: just well, Bradley
2: Beal has also played four fewer games. That's okay. So that's <laughs> like and the I, fact that he's in the top five, given he's played 13 games
1: right. season is, is ridiculous. I mean, speaks to what, uh, did you see some pictures of him last night, by the way, after the wizards lost, or maybe it was two nights ago after they lost in Houston.
2: After Just, setting an NBA record for his 10th consecutive loss when, when scoring 40 points in a game. Yeah. Is that really it? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Uh, Um, I did see that but uh, again on a brighter note keeping with the keeping with the positive aspect of the very beginning of this podcast I'm going to say that not only is Jalen Brown in the top five of scores this season so far but among that top five again we're talking about Steph Curry we're talking about LeBron James Luka and Bradley Beal Uh, Jalen has the best field goal percentage he has the best three point percentage he has the most steals he has the fewest turnovers I mean that Jalen Brown's come to come to play this season
1: right and I think that is, that is the story of the season so far, right? Like if you look from, and I honestly think that's even bigger than Kemba Walker coming back and looking like, obviously not like a hundred percent, but looking as good as you would hope for someone who's coming in fairly rusty and strengthening a knee for four months. That's been an issue for him. So like Kemba might be one B, but I think just, Jalen Brown being not just going from what I thought was a pretty big leap from two years ago to last season. I thought that was significant, but from not equalizing that, but just taking a pretty major second step up here is not just for the present, but the, the future of the franchise might just have to recalibrate how, you know, the front office is thinking about their, their long-term plan or just make them think a lot better about what their long-term game plan is in terms of this being the guy that you weren't willing to give up for a, a, a large number of players. And now this is, you know, it's only 15 games, but we're seeing that bet look very, very wise right now.
2: Right. I mean, it's 15 games he's playing at this level, but it's his entire career now that we've seen him slowly get better right, and grow in every which way. And again, and I, I don't think he's done. I don't. This isn't. This is not peak peak Jalen Brown. I think, given given what he was already good at, and get given what he's still getting better at, like obviously his court visions on another level right now compared to what we'd seen from Jalen. But I I think he can still get better. You know, I think the shooting can get better. I think the foul shots can get better. Um, And he's and he's a pretty damn good defender as well.
1: Yeah, and I do think if you want to start for places where the improvement will need to come in. I mean, this is like a team-wide thing right now, but it is defensively. Like, there are – I think everyone – it's not just him. It's like everyone's had lapses here and there in this team that have made this team's defense middle of the road with plenty of room for growth. But I think offensively right now for him as a 24-year-old to pretty much eliminate the main weakness of his offensive game in terms of the, the passing right now is huge. And then I, I wrote a column – on Boston Sports Journal earlier this week, um, just going through the numbers for his efficiency at all levels of the floor. And he's among high volume shot takers, Rich. He is like top five at the rim, mid range, and above the break threes. Like there's, there's very few players in the NBA that can, you know, that take a lot of those shots period. And he's not just the guy that's doing that, but he's like, you know, making them at an absurd clip. And the more and more, you know, these games go along right now, the more you can, the less you can say, okay, this is a hot start. No, this is like, this is what he is turning into, it looks like.
2: Yeah, and, if, and, and one thing you could maybe say about him earlier in his career, maybe he was a little out of control sometimes. Maybe he was a little sure. sloppy sometimes. But again, the game is slowed down and he keeps on getting stronger. His handles, you know, his ability to, to break a guy down off the dribble is again it's next level i think i think it was the first hoop have you noticed how how many celtics games start with a marcus smart made three-pointer by the way
1: it started sometime
2: in that the Raptors series in the playoffs last year i feel like every other game now uh the first hoop seems to be a marcus three but on the first i think it was the first or second possession it was the first hoop against san antonio on wednesday night you know jalen had 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 uh demar derozan the top top of the key just pulled off it was almost like a kyrie irving like you know arsenal of, of 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 dribbles and then found uh, Marcus for a wide open three to get things started. But he's just doing stuff like that all the time where, where even last year, if he, if he had done it, we would have been like, oh, wow, you know, like, like that's that's a, a glimpse of what he can be. But now that's what he is. We're seeing it every game, every night.
1: It is. And that is honestly, I mean, you look at where this team is right now in the big picture and you see you know, Tatum and Brown as two guys, they're not, I mean, Jalen Brown has to do this for, I think, a half a season to put himself in like a, you know, a top 15 player in a league conversation, top, even top 20. But like at the level, like those two guys are like bona fide top 20 guys. And as, you know, even a worst case scenario right now. And so when you have that, you know, going into the season with, you know Hayward walking away you wonder okay what's going to happen here when the added pressure is on Jalen Brown the defenses can focus in on him more Um, he's going to be asked to do more like how is that he going to respond to that and the fact that he's running with all these opportunities has to make the front office right now kind of look at where they're at and especially if you know Kemba's knee is looking you know like it's on steady ground after a few more weeks here like you know you you start to think more aggressively about the present whereas that was going to be maybe this was going to be a year where everything gets recalibrated and then you, you really start pushing hard once brown and Tatum get fully in their prime right now it looks like you know we're already at that point like we're already and not that there's not room for growth but they're both at a point where it's like yeah like this is the the gas should be pushed on every single year right now in this in this window
2: okay so like let's get aggressive and now and we we go down this road every once in a while, but who who are the Celtics bringing in to get aggressive? Like, are we talking, I mean, I, I, I still would love Aaron Gordon. I think he honestly might be my, my number one choice of of, of the realistic targets. Um, but I mean, you're talking like Harrison Barnes, you're talking Norm Powell, like uh, Lowry Markinen in Chicago. Like who's, who is, who's putting the Celtics over that hump in the present? It's honestly,
1: it changes Based on the week, in terms of like what <laughs> what the biggest need is on this roster, I feel like,
2: and we'll get into more. But looking more at into the this, big picture, looking yeah, at the like, big picture though, like who do you who, who do you want? Yeah, how I think. They, like, how do they? How does how does he capitalize? How does Danny capitalize on on, on this? You know, again with with, with Jalen now potentially being, you know, he was always kind of the like the B to to Tatum, but it's, it's it's a lot closer these days, right? And, and Kemba, hopefully, will continue to get better. So you got those. You got Marcus. You know, maybe you have Tyson, whatever, but who is that, that next piece who's going to put him over the top? I would think this is, I mean, you have to think Gordon from a fit standpoint,
1: is pretty close to the top of the list. I think you want ideally a player that can be incredibly defensive, like a bigger wing that can play the four, three. And, you know, if you want to go get super crazy, like, you know, maybe a small ball five because obviously Gordon can do that. Um, that can hit open threes, that's, I'd say, pretty low usage otherwise. So you're not having a guy that's taking away shots from from Tatum, Brown, and Walker. Like, you want something that's going to just be, you know, take what's in front of him as opposed to, like, you know, taking a bigger part of the offense and maybe not cause rumblings, but just, you know, disrupt the hierarchy that that should be in place there. And so, yeah, like, I think a uh, Gordon does that. I think a, a Barnes does that whether the the price point on a guy like that is is too much i think is is a is worthy of the discussion do you do you go for someone like in a not you know pj tucker i feel is like is a as a, a much less expensive but like similar ilk but the upside clearly isn't there where like in another year he might be over the hill so like does that make sense are you do you focus more here, do you think, on a young guy that can be around and pay a higher premium for that guy in a trade rich? Or like at like John Collins? Yeah, like exactly someone like that who you'd really have to invest in over the long term, but from a, a timeline standpoint would clearly work in well with what the Celtics have to work with here in terms of their own core. Or do you just say, hey, let's get a veteran role player that is you know we don't know how long he's going to last for but it's not gonna we're not going to take a huge swing here we're just going to try to find a couple guys that are an upgrade on the the Ojolais and the, the Grant Williams of the
2: world yeah and like t- taking that take that a soft swing that almost feels like doing nothing at all like you said that doesn't in my mind that doesn't capitalize on what, on what you were talking about on on a chance to win this year right like maybe it it makes them a little bit a little bit more solid, right? But that's not a game changer. Even PJ Tucker, to a, to a certain extent, doesn't. Uh, you know, because who who is he taking minutes from?
1: I think he's taking minutes from
2: Tristan. You know,
1: the yeah, like Tristan or in the, the poo-poo platter of the bench, so which we'll be getting to a little bit later this podcast. Um, yeah, it's just like he's a guy where you're like having someone who can camp out and make corner threes and fight on defense um, against and. I don't know. Like I haven't watched a ton of PJ Tucker this year. Um, You know, he's hitting his three still, but defensively, like for guys, his age, you can, when you lose it, you can lose it quickly. And that can, you know, obviously change what your, your, your expectations are for a guy like that in a hurry. But from a, you know, a guy that I never thought he was the type of guy that ever held the Rockets back in a, in a playoff situation over the last few years when they were, you know, making deep runs. Like he was always someone that's like, he's, he, he's one of the few fighters on that team defensively. He, you know, obviously isn't going to try to do anything offensively that he's not supposed to do. And a guy in that Oak, I think is kind of exactly what you're looking for. Um, if you're not going to go for the, the big prize, like a, a Gordon or, or a Collins.
2: Um, I, and I would say maybe, maybe this could be a time to, to transition because, you know, my, my first thought when, when you were just describing PJ Tucker is that it sounds like the best case of, of Shemi I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the role that he's yeah. playing on the team right now. The guy who's going to take an open shot, hopefully battle on defense and then kind of not really do anything else. Right. And you're okay and, with that. As long as, as long as he's hitting at a, at a decent clip and, and, and competing on defense, that's, that's what you're asking. Um, or you know, obviously a Grant Williams kind of guy too. And that could be another dude who could lose out if, if PJ comes, but still that doesn't seem like the, the move that's going to, that's going to put the Celtics over the top. No. And it
1: is. And I think there's a lot of competition that's going to be out there for a guy like Tucker. Um, you know, cause he is affordable and, um, can slide into a lot of rotations. So the a premium paying a premium for that, you know, you could probably guard against that. Um, before we get to the bench, I do want to ask you, I don't think we've talked since, at least in in great depth, like after Kemba Walker being back here for now, we, it's a full, full week essentially. He's got five games under his belt. What what were you expecting? What do you think he, he looks like so far? And how do you think this is going to go? Brad Stevens even said yesterday, no back-to-backs all year for him. Um, I like what. It. You, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen so far, you can't. I mean, given given everything, right? Like, given what he's coming back from the the time off, the what what it will take. You know, playing the first few games without Tatum, then you know, a game like last night, the first game where 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 Jalen, Jason, and, and Kemba are all back together. Um, it seems like at the very least, he's getting the shots he wants to get. Right. When so you think your biggest concern as a, as it pertains to this knee, is his quickness is his first step. And he's, and he's, he's showing that he's flashing that he's getting open shots. He's getting the shots that, that Kemba Walker needs to get. The only problem is he's not really hitting them. Right. So, I mean, I, I guess you can take the, maybe a moral, a moral victory in, in that and just assume that he's going to need a little bit more time to, to get into the flow. But like, if he can start just hitting shots the way that he has for, you know, a decade or so in, in the NBA, uh, I I don't know. I mean, that I don't that that's why you brought Kemba Walker into the into, into the fray and his defense. I don't know. I, was was that zone that that Brad put in last night and and that the Celtics did have some success with? Is that maybe a new twist to try to make up for for Kemba and D? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I actually watched
1: went back in that Spurs game and watched some of their you know just huge collapses in certain parts of the game and. It wasn't one, I mean, Kemba wasn't good, but to be honest, like everyone was bad. So I do think that was a situation where they just rolled that out there. Cause it's like, we just can't stop anyone in like one-on-one spots or on, you know, cutting or whatever at this point. And so it worked, but yeah, I think big picture wise, Kemba, like the defense is what it is. It's, it's not going to get any better. I would think as his, as his age gets up there, but you know, I think, we saw it in like the Cleveland and the Detroit games, like when he's, or um, the Chicago games, I should say, like when he's engaged and like has a little pep in his step, he can still, you know, be a, a net neutral or positive even on some nights against bad teams there. So, yeah, um, yeah, so it should be, I mean, we'll see how it goes in that front, but five games in, like there's not a whole lot. I think the good outweighs the bad in terms of what we've seen from him so far. Um,
2: uh, before we transition, let me let me get the the ad read in real please. quick. Um did you know that the Super Bowl is here, B Rob, and you can get in on all the action at Bet Online. Tampa Bay, the first team in history to play for a title on their home field. It's currently a three and a half point underdog. Uh against KC, uh the Chiefs are looking for for back-to-back titles for the first time in almost two decades. Uh, who? Tom Brady's Patriots, obviously. It's the goat against the next in line. Bet online has hundreds of props for the game, including game MVP, margin of victory, even the length of the national anthem. Can you believe that? Uh, always available online on your mobile device. Visit Bet Online today. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. Um, and we are we are the experts of playing take it or leave it with the Celtics bench. So I think it's time to to flex those muscles.
1: Yes, and so we're. This is gonna be a first. It's our first game of Take It or Leave It, and we're. I think it's the first time we're having a second guest join us mid podcast here. The the great Ryan Beridoni. Oh my God, he's on. He's on video. He's on video. It's I've his, never seen him. This is. I was a, to you last time. That's he was. I don't think Rich has seen you on video before, so he's he's probably in shock right now. I don't know. Yeah. But this is. Um, it might Ryan take is, me a, f- a
2: few moments, but I'll be,
1: I'll be ready <laughs> to go. Um. So yeah. So this is. I think. Uh, Ryan, I, we, we, we talked with Rich before the show and going in in honor of, of Brad Stevens going uh, 13 deep into his bench um, through two and a half quarters uh, in San Antonio on Wednesday night. Um, clearly, there's, uh, there's not a lot of separation right now in this Celtics bench. And the team is at full strength or close to full strength finally. Um, you know, Lankford and Payne Pritchard should be back in the, in the coming weeks here, but there uh, there's going to need to be some decisions made. I I don't think going 12 or 13 deep is a, is a sustainable idea um, or a a, a idea that makes sense from a win and loss standpoint over long term. So um, we're going to workshop the name, but I I want us to go through through a, a take it or leave a game here where we go through the bench guys one by one um, debate. Do you, essentially debate the player do you want to keep them what could you get for them in in theory and is you know weighing the the risk you know the the opportunity cost of keeping them versus you know selling low on certain guys now and just you know have a have a discussion here who 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 should end up playing for this team um who shouldn't be playing for this team who should maybe be playing to be to to increase their trade value um and so, and then you have to, you have to take it or leave it with each of these players um, at the end of the discussion. So I'm going to start out with an easy one here. Um, first guy off the bench last night, Carson Edwards, <laughs> Rich, take it or leave it Carson Edwards after um,
2: some signs of life from the, uh, the second year guard. Some signs of life and the fact that you would think that he still somewhere has the ability to, to be a pretty damn good shooter which is a commodity in today's NBA in case you guys, uh, didn't know. So I'm going to, I'm going to take him for now, given, given everything, given, given his status as a second round pick here in Boston. Um, I'm going to take Carson Edwards.
0: I will, I will leave him, I guess. <laughs> uh, we have to work to the name. If you guys have better ideas, we, can <laughs> your I just think it's a funny game. It's, it's the, the game that's sweeping the country. Is this guy a ninth or 11th man? <laughs> uh, basically what we're talking People about love it. for a lot of these guys. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not a point guard, but he's small, and uh, you can't play him with Kemba and because of that, and you probably can't play him with Pritchard or Teague because of that, to, you know, realistically, um, and the shot doesn't go in. He's got a couple opportunities here, and I'm, I'm looking at his little stats page. He's four for 13 from three. Um, he made one or two that, that looked good, but he's four for 13, and he didn't shoot it all that well last year. Anywhere, including in Maine, particularly. So, uh, no, I will. I'm going to leave Carson Edwards and and say that there's too many other players who need an opportunity before him.
1: I will say, I feel like this is a pure, not a pure, but I do think it's like, let's just throw him out there right now and maybe someone will take him, you know, for nothing. I mean, you can probably, honestly, you can probably give away like, he's not making much, but he does have a guaranteed year next year. Um, but I certainly think I'm with Ryan. I'm, I'm going to leave it on Carson Edwards. I think with the emergence of Pritchard and Kevin being back, you're just, there's, there's plenty of small guys in this roster and he unfortunately kind of, I think missed his chance to, to be that guy last year. And now I think Pritchard's overtaken him. So um, I don't know, Rich, you, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help his trade value. Yeah. You want to, yeah. So that's fine. Like some positive, it some positive, positive yeah. press. Right. Which is fine. Which is like, I feel like the, the the tactic here. But with Pritchard already getting some shots up on the court in San Antonio last, like uh, he might it might only be another game or two for for Carson. So
2: so when we say when we say leave, like we're saying like who are we replacing him with?
1: I think you're whoever they trade for. If the, the exception, I feel like is that's a that's a roster spot. That's probably the the first thing that opens up. I feel like Ryan when you. Like, if you're going to – if you need to open a roster spot, I think Carson Edwards is the guy that's probably
0: in most danger of just being either traded away in that deal or just maybe even waived outright. Yeah, I mean, he would would be a likely one unless you're trying to, you know, cut salary for some reason. Uh, For me, the meaning of of take or leave it is more, uh, you know, if you're leaving them, you're leaving them out of the primary rotation. Sort of that's maybe the way I would think about it where – because um, okay. you, you know the answer to this can't be I would trade him I would trade him I would trade him like you know if there's four guys that you want to say that you want you want to get rid of you're not going to be moving them all out like that uh, so it's you, you gotta you gotta stack those salaries you gotta get up to <laughs> that's the beauty well, of know, take it or leave he, it it's, it's the eye of the beholder is and this can, guy inside the a 10-man rotation or not and, and if he's not is it a player who you want to you know envision being with the team beyond this season maybe yes or no in some of these cases where you have have younger players but uh, for me, it would be a, a leave and a leave. I don't think he should be part of the primary rotation. I don't think he should be on the team beyond this season. If there's a way to, to move him out along the way, then, I, you know, that that's fine. Uh, maybe he'll go somewhere else and have a little bit more success in a, a team that he potentially makes a little bit more sense on with a, a bigger point guard that's going, you know, trending younger and less uh, less high aspirations. But, um I i'm also leaving really him out of
2: the primary rotation by the way i didn't yeah, i didn't realize we we're grading yeah. on that yeah i don't know but i, well, I don't I, know what it means exactly so that's right.
0: sort of what i meant <laughs> i do
1: like the the open D interpretation i think because I, I, I think rich is like yeah like if you want to like this is the time to play him if you're going to play him for that you know to to see if anyone wants him but yeah we can we can clarify the the take or leave a meeting in terms of um the actual rotation itself.
2: How are we going to break up the take it or leave it board game? Is it going to be 33% like the profits for all of us?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tina's getting nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay.
1: Next up, we are going to go, I think this is an interesting case here. And I'm going to throw it to you guys as, um, as I think there are a lot of variables involved here. I'll start with Ryan. Um, Javante green next up and take it or leave it. Um, has had a, honestly, he's probably been one of the better players on the bench so far, Ryan, but, um, and it's also very tight with Jason Tatum. Does this, I don't know if, whether that impacts anyone's thoughts here, but I do think that he's kind of a, a borderline case with the, the current personnel on the roster.
0: I think he's been the best of the, the, like the, the backup wings, which isn't saying a whole lot. Cause they've all been, <laughs> you know, underwhelming in, in some way or another, but, um, he knows his role you know, he's out there to defend and play hard and all those sorts of things. Um, he's, I don't trust his shot at all, but he's not afraid to take it. He's a little Ojala, is semi ojala has gotten a little uh, high on his own ability to shoot. Maybe he's taken some that I, that I don't love as much and you don't really expect Javante to ever do that. Um, so, you know, as a defender, a guy who gets out in transition, um, Draws a little bit of you know, a couple free throws here and there, and and the one skill that he has is I think he's overtaken Tatum as the best on the team at jumping passing lanes, which seems like a kind of a stupid thing, but it gets you free points every once in a while, particularly if you're as, are as athletic as he is. So for the moment, I uh, will will take him uh, as part of that you know, sort of the back end of the rotation. Um, do I think he has a long term future with the team? Uh, maybe it's not out of the question. But for the moment, I think you have to take him uh, in part because a lot of the other guys we talk about were probably going to leave and somebody <laughs> has to be taken.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And I, and I think that the, the player that you were just describing, and I thought about this a little bit before we started talking, sort of like a, a poor man's t- Tony Allen a little bit. He's got a little, a little Tony in him, like the shaky jump shot, the, the defense be able to get out there on the break, get into lanes. Uh, and if you can do that a little bit, I mean, they're going to find a place for you in, in, in today's NBA. So that's a take for me.
0: Yeah, he's not quite Tony Allen on the defensive end, but no, poor uh, man, poor man. He puts in he puts in the effort, and, and he doesn't. Uh, I don't know. There's I've, you may have been talking about this before. I think right when I joined, you were uh, alluding to it a little bit that they've had some pretty serious defensive breakdowns at different times, and I, I don't remember him ever being sort of in that camp. He's he's pretty solid uh, as well as being athletic and, and working hard. But yeah, not quite Tony Allen, <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying.
2: Birob, you are muted.
1: I'm, I had something bad to say, so I muted myself. Um, I am taking him purely based on the dunks um, and the uh, the tandem factor, like as well. Like you want to, that's. I think he's honestly like the perfect fourteenth or fifteenth guy on the roster that is capable of being in the rotation. Like when the need arises of um, like this roster is where you have injuries and you can bump him up, and he's the three point shot is always going to be an issue. But like Ryan said, like defense, he's defense, he's largely solid. And I think from an offensive rebounding standpoint and like back cutting and things like that, like, like you said, like he's, you know, a very lesser version of Tony Allen, but like does a lot of the same things of that ilk. So um, yeah, like keep him around a guy who doesn't try to overstep what he, he does and, and um, you know, use him when you need him. Becoming, a becoming good
2: friends with the franchise player, never a bad decision. No, not at all. I respect that, man. That's a smart move. Smart business that. move.
0: Kendall Walker, he a, too. He had a play last night in, against the Spurs in transition where um, he got out and he ended up laying it in. And I, I'm so used to him dunking everything from ridiculous angles <laughs> that I thought he was going to flush it by double clutching underneath a defender chasing back. But the <laughs> angle was not there at all. It was just one of those plays where he laid it in. At, I was like, oh yeah, okay. Like every player in the league has to lay it in there. And I've seen him make these ridiculous dunks in transition a couple of times where you just don't think there's any way he can, he can actually finish it. And so he laid it in yesterday. I was like, oh, okay. So even he has a limit to exactly how <laughs> ridiculous he can be in, in transition. And it's like an impossible angle with a trailing defender and you know not having the exact right footwork together. And that's what it takes to stop him from flushing it. So Yeah, it looks like I he even surprised
2: himself that. a little bit on that one. I think if we're talking about the same one, he didn't even shoot it. He kind of just like let go at some point and it just yeah. soared out of his hand and off the backboard right it went in
0: but it, yeah. I, I think you might be right that he really thought he was going to go like, go under the defender and then and then be able to dunk it it was just like oh, there was no space there but thankfully it went in all right let's go to
1: a new member of the bench as Wednesday. as i think this is i want to get to this now because i think this is a meaty topic for the moment um tristan thompson You would think an obvious take it here. But, Rich, um, averaging 6.2 points per game, career low, 45% shooting from the field. Um, The defensive numbers...
2: It's just, it's disgusting to watch him play offense.
1: Right. So, based on, obviously, Tristan Thompson is a, a useful player. I guess the question for this, you know, part of take it or leave it is... Are the Celtics better off playing Tice and Rob Williams, the line share of those minutes right now, at center over uh, Tristan Thompson?
2: I mean, last night, that probably wasn't the case. Um, just this one game. Generally speaking, I, w- I would not be upset if, if for some reason Tristan Thompson disappeared. Like, and it's, just, and, it, and it's just Tyson, Tyson Time Lord. Like, I'm comfortable going forward with with those two. But given the reality of the situation, given the fact that I, I'm still holding out a little hope that Tristan can can play himself into shape and that maybe the guy we're seeing right now is not the guy you would see come playoff time. Uh, so for that reason right now, because it's only, it's it's not even February yet, um, I'm going to to take Tristan, TTT, for right now. <laughs> but it's it's, I'm on the fence a little bit. Hey, I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence. I am willing to leave him <laughs> now.
1: Um, Were you dropping so him off, Ryan? Were you just used like, you dropped him off in, like, New York?
2: Telebasis. Going back up to Toronto as part Toronto. of my OG
0: and Anobi trade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, hello. Uh, well, I guess I'm dropping him off in Tampa as part of my OG yeah, 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 yeah. You can't go across the border. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they signed him... I was of the the opinion that it's like it's fine. It's not great. It's you know, it's it's okay. He was a player who I thought when they were only gonna have the taxpayer MLE. I was like, maybe they'll be able to come for the taxpayer MLE, you sign him for the full MLE, and it's like eh, okay. I I get it. I would have preferred they we as we've talked ad nauseum about, like I would have preferred they went through the off season in a different way and used that in a different way. Um uh, he's been so bad that like I wonder if they just would have been better off keeping NS Cantor. Um hmm. Not only because, like, I am not an Ascantor fan by any means, but it's like Brad had already demoted Cantor as part of the playoffs, like, so he wouldn't feel the obligation to play him again. Like, he seems to feel an obligation to play Thompson. And the problem is that, like, he's not playing defense well. Uh, he's a black hole on offense. He gets the ball, and you know that he's going to, like, a jump hook that's going to go smashing off the backboard. If he, whenever he gets offensive rebounds, you see he's definitely going back up with it as opposed to, to rob williams who gets offensive rebounds this year at an even higher rate than thompson is and his first thought is to kick it out for a three and and thompson's yes. is this is my time to try to go up and it, it just isn't working at all and if what he is supposed to be is like a rebounding machine who can switch and he's not the guy you're going to count on to guard a joel Embiid or something like that like time lord is just so far outplaying in that you know in that kind of archetype that i don't understand what thompson's real value is and that's where it gets to like canter where for all of his faults like the one thing he can't do is if you're going up against an mb type like he stands behind him and waits for the for the double team to come in and tristan was getting just trucked by by mb like over and over again and then he was in the game at the end you know at the end last night and he did a good job contesting the the derozan shot at at the very end but they were like hemorrhaging points when he was on the, the court at the end of the game it's not like he was anchoring a really high level defense or anything there so I, you know, I wasn't completely against the signing at the beginning, although it wasn't like ideal. And now you're just looking back and like, well, oh, boy, even just like keeping NS Cantor and having that 30th pick and doing something with it may have just been a better solution from where you are now. And if he's going to block Robert Williams, then I will drive him <laughs> to another team because he's just not as good of a good player. Right.
2: Cause like not only, like you said, can Robert Williams do some of those things better right now, but when you consider how much better he can get, if he just gets more reps and you just get in the rhythm a little bit more, it's a double-edged sword, you know, it's, year three of saying
0: that <laughs> play them let them play let them let them grow um but it just doesn't ever seem to be on the cards
2: by the way b rob i watched the uh the spurs uh team do the broadcast no i watched the celtics last night and i watched the condensed version on nba.com today and i it was the spurs version and they yep. call rob, uh, time lord williams III, Ooh. the third play-by-play guy every single time he did anything they called him williams the third i thought it was beautiful <laughs> they must be tight with I mean, they must have followed him <laughs> in his college
1: days or something. That must have been a yeah. Uh, but I like that better. Right That's name, my favorite.
2: Man. My favorite name for him so far: Williams III. Well, was the Third. Williams the Third. That's your stick. Um, I am.
1: Uh, I'm. 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 I'm a, a richest camp on on Thompson for now. I'm a very soft take him, like give him another month. But I'm the patience is um, should be wearing thin for the coaching staff because I think the most alarming part. Is like from a defensive standpoint, it's like getting to a point where you're like, okay, well, can he just not switch on to smaller guys anymore? Like, are we just and if that's the case, then it's like you're you're not bringing much to that end of the floor.
0: And that's a and if that's what you're brought here for, then that's uh that's a pretty big concern. Um, why did he close instead of Tice last night? I know Tice came on for a couple of offensive possessions, but like I don't get that at all. I actually
1: looked so Tice. Tice was pretty bad defensively last night. He only played like 12 minutes, but like he was, I mean, and that's just like an Aldrich thing, I think, for him, where he just, that's a terrible, like, whatever. He went, Aldrich went for like whatever, like 45 or 50 at the Garden, like last year against Tice. So for whatever reason, like, I mean, I agree. Like, I agree. Like, you t- like, Tice has been so good at offense that, like, you know, he was in late game and stuff, but he got those two early fouls and then he barely saw the floor the rest of the game. Um, and again, so that's where
0: I mean, it's like we yeah, Thompson. Up, I don't know. We didn't give up the the Celtics didn't give up a ton of points last night in total, but the Spurs went twenty seven for thirty three at the rim last night. There was no yeah. rim protection <laughs> at all, no. and it was just ridiculous. And and at least Tice, I think, is a, well, definitely is a threat as a shot blocker. And if if the way you go down is Lamarcus Lamarcus Aldridge, who has been pretty bad this year, making twenty two foot jump shots, like he can do that over Tristan Thompson as well. I just it's, I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm a few. I mean, it's, it's, uh,
1: the longer it goes, like he's, hasn't really done anything to earn those minutes. And when, and I would think that that hopefully is reflected in how it gets handled going forward, but who knows, maybe, uh, the rich Paul, you don't want to, they're trying to make good with rich Paul here. And so you can't bury his guy, uh, a week, a month into his uh, signing. Um, all right. This will be a quick one. I think. Jeff Teague, um, Brian. Let's uh, let's keep no, this to, no. let's keep this
0: to two minutes. <laughs> uh, he's been terrible, really terrible. And uh, as a fifteenth man that you sign for the minimum, you pick up a veteran who's been in the league for a long time. Whatever, that's fine. Uh, but you can't keep playing him. You know, he's he signed for a minimum for a reason, and you should not be you should not feel like a veteran's obligation to play him. He's been really terrible.
2: I was thinking last night how much. Imagine if Patty Mills was in that spot. Yeah. Whew. That would be a lot of fun, um, or Richard or PP. <laughs> right. Well, that was another thing. As as Brad was cycling through the guys on the on the bench last night, sort of like shows how much they need slash miss uh, PP right now. Yeah, I mean it's.
1: I guess the good news are from like Stevens and the staff. He, I don't think Teague played in the second half last night, so that was at least there was a an awareness there of like, okay, we have to play catch up here. We can't, you know force feed this guy minutes that really isn't bringing anything to the table right now. But yeah, that, that's a leave it. I mean, I think that's a situation where if he wants to be, you know, a, a fourth string point guard and you keep on the I'll keep on the roster over, over Carson Edwards. Um, but beyond that, like he's just not, I mean, he's shooting 28% on two point field goals and he and that's probably – that number's probably gone up in the last two weeks. So I think that, that, that's <laughs> the story right now. You just can't – you can't have enough of those guys when you already have, like, Marcus Smart on your roster all, also
0: taking bad twos too much. You can't, you can't have too many of those guys coming off the bench. And he really dribbles the ball a lot. And he's so slow. He just moves slowly, and he dribbles the ball a ton. Uh, I mean, you said if he's okay being a fourth-point guard, but if he's not okay being a fourth-point guard, then he's just going to be like a high school coach right now. There's no other team that's going to take him and play him. There's yeah. not – the most point guard needy whatever though the Orlando magic would not sign him and play him right now he can't play hmm. I I would agree with that so it's it will be interesting to see how that ends
1: up um given you know the how much Brad Stevens in history has, has spoke fondly of him but um will this turn into a David Lee situation I mean well, I guess we'll find out in another uh, few weeks
2: in, around this conversation, let's 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 thank God that Peyton Pritchard is not out for the season because for at least a good 10-15 minutes there, I was convinced that he was done. It certainly oh, didn't I look good. Right
0: he said it popped. You could hear it on the broadcast. He said, "I heard a pop," which you just assume <laughs> means that it's an ACL or or whatever. And my first reaction was, "Okay, I'm you know firing back up the go get George Hill train because like you can't." you can't have Jeff Teague playing that many minutes. And it was just like, if he's out for a long time, you, you may actually have a, more of a need at, at point guard than you do on the wing. Uh, yeah, I agree. Thankfully it, for, you know, for him as well, obviously, not just for, for my enjoyment of the Celtics. Uh, it does not seem to be that serious.
2: Ryan, I got to tap out real quick, or uh, in like five minutes. But first I want to hear your OG, your OG trade.
0: Well, there's not much to it. It's just like they're 7-11 and 11, and I don't think anybody thinks they're really going anywhere. They may trade Lowry if he asks out. I think he probably has a lot of control over what happens there. Everybody knows that Siakam's not on a, on a really good team and, and OG looks looks quite good but also does anybody think he's ever going to be an all-star? Like, Right? I mean, he's not that level of player and he's on a team that's 7-11 and 11, or that's going to be in some amount of rebuilding or like, do they really, does Masai really want to have a team that's just sort of like fighting for the seventh or, you know, sort of in the those, those uh, spots to get into the playing game for the next couple of years. If you come in and you're just like pick one of our young players and we'll give you three first round picks. Like that's basically what you get for like a star player. And yeah, he's got a long contract that they just signed. It looks like he's going to be a good player on a good deal, but he's not like, you know, he's, he's not going to be like your all NBA leading the team thing. And he's a little bit wasted on that kind of team where he would be really perfect on a team like the Celtics or a number of other really good teams. So if you just come in and say unprotected first round picks this year, two years from now, four years from now, and pick, you know, pick whatever young player you want off our team that's not one of the J's, like, do they take that? It kind of depends where they what they want to do and what other moves they make, but I would make that offer at this point and just say, like, then you know what your team is. It's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and OG Ananobi, like your three big wings who can, can really defend, and two of them are dynamic scorers, and one of them can, can shoot well enough and, and do a number of other things. Like, that's, that's what I would do, and just damn the torpedoes. This team can win the title this year. If they make a trade like that, is my opinion they they might not be the favorite, but they would be like a legitimate contender. Agreed. That's a take for
2: me.
1: That'd be a fun deal if um, <laughs> and we'll see again how if Toronto gets its head back above water or they can see the writing on the wall with um, with this core. Um, all right, let's uh, we've got a couple minutes left here before Rich has to roll, so let's try to roll through these quickly. Rob Williams, I think. We kind of already talked about in the Tristan Thompson discussion. I think that's a, a clear uh, take for for all three of us. Um, you
0: Grant or Semi? You got to pick one. Yeah, I, yeah. Let's do so
1: I like that. I was actually going to do like Grant and yeah, like Grant Semi or to be honest, like I almost I want it's a
0: different category at this point. I think.
1: Yeah, I guess we can do because then I think Aaron versus it'll probably be Neesmith versus Romeo. Like, yeah. From a trade standpoint, like if that's, uh, you know, if you have to give up one of those guys, who, who do you bet on there? But yeah, let's start with Grant and Shemi to, to start to wrap things up. Rich, what, what were you leading in that, uh, in that head-to-head uh, matchup?
2: Uh, first, I want to say it's a, a crazy world and, a, and a, a commentary on the state of the Celtics bench that Shemi is now feels like one of the most reliable guys that you can turn to coming off the bench. Um, I still think I would probably take Grant over him. I mean, I'd probably, I think definitely. Uh, long-term. I just think the ceiling is a little bit higher. Uh, he can do more things, better defender. Um,
0: yeah. So I go with Grant. Yeah. Grant has struggled uh, at, you know, pretty seriously at times. And I would still take, take Grant. Uh, I think I've think i made my feelings about Sammy known, like he's shot well, um, but uh, he just provides so little on the defensive end. And, and Grant Williams is a little bit more of a playmaker down there. I think in the big picture, that's what you need, especially once you have Kemba back with the J. So I would take Grant as well.
1: It's kind of wild. Do you guys want to guess what Grant Williams is shooting from three right now? 29?
0: 35? He's shooting well now, isn't he? 41%. It's all those corners. It's always all yeah, cor- corners. Yeah, he like, a- he's
1: had a couple random games where he's hit the corner threes, and that's – I mean, it's obviously only – he's only taken 29 threes on the, the year, but that's, that's a, obviously a, a good number, and one would think that would get him in the rotation when – Grad Stevens goes 12 deep in those bench in the first half, but
0: well, um, around 42 or around 40 percent as well, isn't he? Yeah, Shemi mean, is at, at he's, he's down to
1: 37, left. but that's still you know that's obviously a great number for him. Um,
0: doesn't. Do I think Grant was one of the first guys.
2: Uh-huh.
0: What Was that right? Ojala just doesn't do anything on defense. He had his first <laughs> steal. He has what one steal and zero blocks on the season, and that's like regular for him over the course of his career. He just doesn't so ever make he- plays.
2: So, but is he, like, competing? Is he actually, like, playing defense on, on the ball? Is it just not – because when I see him out there, he seems like a guy who should be able to do that.
0: It's not that he doesn't put in effort. He doesn't ever try to take the ball away. Like, he just stays in front of his guy, and he backs up, and he eventually, you know, he holds ground in the post, stuff like that. But, you know, the, the really funny one was the one where he was contesting with his hands behind his back, right? It's like, I'm not even – I'm so afraid to fouling that I'm not even going to go straight up and down and try to block this Danny Green shot. And it's just like – I think it was Danny Green. Yeah. And he has one steal – and zero blocks on the season he has seven career blocks in three years and a quarter of a season and he's up and he's theoretically has a 40 inch vertical he never goes for the ball and you have to make plays in order to be a good defender and grant is a pretty good shot blocker for his size and makes some steals and i would just rather have that all true but the 6.2 fouls per 36 minutes for grant has to uh teams are attacking him like i think it uh I think it was mentioned uh, even on the broadcast last night that it's just becoming a thing that like teams are going at him and he's just fouling and fouling and fouling. And I, and I get that. I'm not saying that he's been playing super well and this is why they need to use the TPE to, to get a big wing. Ideally uh, is because you don't want to be in the playoffs where you're making a choice between these two guys. But um, I would still take Grant. Yeah. Also I mean, Grant, he's going to be on the team longer. He's got a longer contract. Right. You know, Grant's 20, stuff. right.
1: Grant's 22, Shemi's 26. Like that's, that, that should make the decision for you in, in terms of like, guys that are on a pretty easy, even level right now.
2: All right guys, I'm I'm taking Smith and saying farewell. Have a good all rest right. of the conversation.
1: Strong start to the end.
2: Um all right. So the last one we have
1: here, Ryan, is Neesmith versus Lankford, which obviously it's it's not really a, an easy discussion until we can see Lankford. But is there any like what scenario I guess you know if you're if you're talking about you know some of like a bigger name um, acquisition, whether it's you know like an OG type or Gordon, et cetera, um, where you're probably going to have to, in addition to first round picks, you know, give a couple quote unquote lottery tickets in your younger guys. Like, where, like,
0: who do you who holds more value for the for you right now out of the out of those guys? Uh, if I were another team, so if I was a rebuilding team that was looking to take more of a flyer, I think I would take Langford. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I knew what his health status was, then I would probably also take him for the Celtics. I'm just so worried that he'll never be healthy and that like, you can't, if you just can't rely on him and Smith has his own health questions, obviously, but if you can't rely on, on Romeo staying healthy really ever, then it's really difficult to, to have him on a team where you're expecting to go to the playoffs and, and maybe meet him. Um, now Neesmith, you're not going to play in the playoffs this year either. So maybe from that perspective, it doesn't really matter, but I think that he's, what he's shown on defense is is real and what his history is as a scorer is you know you'd think would be somewhat translatable and while I would generally like the large, you know the guy who's a little bit bigger and more of a shooter um I you know I don't know I would still take Romeo maybe it's just because we saw him last year and it was sort of eye-popping that how how well he played on the defensive end uh but I don't know this is one of those they're not exactly like players who are of the same type they're just so different at this point in the way they play it's a little bit fit as well that you might be considering there
1: yeah and I guess given how this team has played defense this year too like yeah. maybe that makes you more inclined to be like okay Lankford probably will come in in handy a little bit more um at least in the present versus a guy in Eastwood who is who looks better on defensively but still has a very long way to go um in terms of being able to defend basic actions well and and not you know overcommit or make mistakes, but um, yeah, I mean, as far as certainly you'd want Smith to be playing more than uh, Carson Edwards right now, to, in terms mm-hmm. of like guys who could you know you see what you have and maybe you can you know bump up their value a little bit, but it's it's something where I don't think you can you know once Pritchard gets back here, you'd hope that Brad Stevens you know kind of figures out or settles on a at least maybe a nine or a rotating
0: 10 man group pretty quickly, as opposed to doing too much mixing and matching. I think all these guys that we talked about, especially the younger guys are should be in the mix for, for one or two rotation spots, but realistically it's maybe one or a half a rotation spot because Thompson is going to play, You just go down the line of who's going to play. And it's like, okay, well then that's, you know, you get to nine really quickly, even with three centers. Uh, And then there's probably only one more spot. Now, realistically who should they be playing if they really cared about winning the games right now. And they were fully healthy. Like we said, I, I would leave Thompson behind in that case, but they're going to keep playing a bunch of guys. Um, so year three or four or five, whatever it is of saying, they need to consolidate trade. They need to consolidate trade, but realistically it's not going to be a consolidate trade. It's going to be a TPE trade where they send one guy out and take one in. And then a whole bunch of guys are just going to get demoted um, mm-hmm. and, and play less. And that's life in the NBA, right? There's only so many spots and so many minutes on the floor. And when you're on a team that, that has good top-end talent uh, who can play a lot of minutes, then that's just the way it is. And, and a, you know, a, a bad week here or there can, can set you back and you maybe don't play much again for the next six weeks until you get another opportunity, um, which it sucks. It's not fair. Every But you think about it, like, every other team is not – most other teams around the league are having this conversation around their back-end of the rotation guys too, and we just don't even – like, for us, looking at their teams, like, oh, these are the guys who should be playing. And their fan bases and their podcasts and their whatever else are talking about the same things about like this 11th guy, we got to find a way to get him on the floor. And then you go there and you're like, who is that guy? What do we care? Why is he on the floor? Like attack him. What? <laughs> Leave him out. Okay. I think it's, it's probably the same. That's why I sort of started saying the conversation on a lot of these guys are like, are they a ninth or an 11th man? Yeah. Um, and the Celtics have a bunch of guys who maybe can do that. And some are younger and older and um, you just, Hope that by the end of the season they've got it figured out because right now it you know you can get by.
1: Right. I mean all things considered ten and seven based on you know Kemba being out for the first eleven games and, and COVID ravaging a good part of the roster already that's that's a spot that I think uh the Celtics would would have happily taken before the year started and especially when you look at a team like the Heat where they've they are six and eleven right now. And the Raptors, too. I mean, both of those teams just having, you know, there have been injuries and obviously COVID hit the heat really hard, but they just have not been able to um, put together wins. And now are looking at a situation where they're probably, I mean, they're, 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 it's the East, so they're still very close to a playoff spot, but they're going to be playing a
0: juggernaut in the first round, um, even if they recover. Um, They may be playing, their first round might be a playing game. I mean, for, yeah, absolutely. At this point, it kind of looks like it will be for at least one of them uh you know i it's going to be really hard to fall all the way out of the race this year and probably neither just because uh you know it's it's hard to separate when you get a covid thing and suddenly you have to go and play four games with you know eight or nine guys it seems like one of the things that may decide exact seedings is like whether or not your covid outbreak dropped you below the eight player threshold and you had to postpone games until you were healthier or if you got stuck playing with eight guys or nine guys and like lost two extra games because you got screwed by that sure uh which uh, it's, it's completely unfair. It's ridiculous. They, but um, it seems like that may be a, a deciding factor in, in certain things. But I thought coming into the season, just sort of looking at the schedule that we would, that the team would probably be 10 and 10 or 11 and nine when Kemba came back. And so to be 10 and seven right now, and you'll probably, you know, maybe they'll still be 11 and nine when they get to that point, but knowing that Kemba is back and not having to work his way in from that point, that stuff looks, looks pretty good. Um, and as I've said in other places and, and a couple of times, here, like, I'm very high on the ceiling for this team just because of like Jalen's leap and what we know that, that Jason can do. And Kemba hopefully can, um, you know, can, can find his shooting touch a little bit. And then the ability to, to add, which I just continue to say, like they should not let this opportunity to add, go to waste spend now improve this team for now. And for the next year or two, at the very least. Um, and so I'm quite high on the, uh, you know, on the team and it's, 10 and seven doesn't seem like you should be necessarily, but uh, I think there are a lot of signs that are, that are pretty positive right now.
1: For sure. And you know, this will, I think this next two weeks will be a pretty critical evaluation period before those moves are made with um, a five game West coast trip looting, as well as a a home date with the the defending champs on Saturday night. And so you're, you're facing a lot of high powered offenses. Um, So this is a time I think where you, you know you you're not going to be able to, you know, mix it up too much with with these back of the bench guys we've been talking about. You're going to go for the guys that you can trust in these spots. And I think after this trip ends, you'll probably have a pretty good idea of like not that you not that we don't already know what they need, but I think you can even zoom in a little bit more in terms of like um what you can expect out of certain guys on the bench and and in the rotation and where
0: your biggest glaring deficiency is or two if you want to address two spots yep i agree it'll be an interesting couple of weeks and then it'll probably be a crazy scramble between the uh the moment when players sign this offseason and are tradable and when the the trade deadline comes up could be more movement in in, in that time than we have in the seen in the past um it'll be interesting interesting to see for me what sort of develops as a buyers or sellers market because there are so many teams that have a have a, a reasonable thought that they're still in this um and there's just so few teams that are really out of it uh, because of that, that it'll be interesting. To see. I mean, it might be a, a real seller's market where, where things bog down, but I suspect that teams will find a way to to make changes this year, particularly just because it's a weird year. And I think not only do teams feel like they have a chance to be in the playoffs, but uh, even with the Lakers looking quite good, you know, you're kind of unsure, like, is this going to be another bubble playoffs? Is this an opportunity for right. us to make a run for it? Could we be this year's heat? Could we, you know, all that kind of thing. So there will be teams looking to, to move pretty heavy. Uh, so it'll be interesting.
1: I do wonder though, at the same time, and to just to wrap up on this, like this draft class is supposed to be pretty stacked too at the top and with no one at the very, very top, but with no one, if everyone thinks they're in it with this seven through 10 playing situation, um, by and large, that goes for the, tank. Who, who are the two? I want to think there's going to be a couple front offices that are like, you know what? F this, like sell everyone. Let's maximize our chance of getting that bottom three and you know, maybe
0: land a, a guy on you know in a year where it's not going to be that hard to to tank towards the end and you say it again and again that the magic should be selling but i know pina wrote about the magic this week and about their continuity and whether or not they want to hold it together and if they're going to wait until next year and get john isaac back and bolts back and all that and you're just like is this is this salesman that you're trying to <laughs> <they're> trying to <laughs> say that you're not looking to move guys and you really are or not? i mean they they just seem so primed to to be the team that that moves some guys out and, and takes a step back and blames it all on injuries and tries to get a premium draft pick and, and then move on from there. But you know, yeah, somebody has to, right. Somebody has to look at the landscape and be like, we don't really want to be the ninth rather have a 12 and a half percent chance at the first, you know, at, at getting Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley or somebody like that. So um, the question will be for the Celtics, like, do, does that team have a player right, who just that- are for? Uh, Cause some of those, you know, is, does Detroit want to trade Jeremy Grant after after just signing him? Yeah. Uh, probably not. Uh, you want anything on the win Pelicans? Win probably not. Like it's yeah. The guys that the Pelicans are talking about, they want to move is you know Lonzo and and JJ Redick. It's kind of like yeah, no thanks. Um, so it, that's the question. Teams that the Celtics need a need a wing, just like a lot of teams need a wing, and teams that have good wings are generally good because good wings make you good, and and so there just maybe aren't that quite that many around, which is why I look at at Toronto. Mm-hmm. Just is, you know, do they make the decision on, on Ananobi? And Masai has all the, the you know, he has a free hand to do whatever he wants after delivering the title. So uh, would, they, would they get a little wild and, and make a deal with an inter-conference rival? Um, I suspect not. I mean, I'm not saying that I you know think that he's going to get moved at the deadline, but that's who I would be going for and, and making a pretty heavy offer for. So. Watch him deal with Siakam. He just sure, makes so much team. money.
2: And he does, you know,
0: he, but like... He makes more than the TPE, right? So the Celtics can't go after him. I don't think they'd be particularly interested in him anyway. They want somebody who's probably lower usage. But, uh, that, I mean, I've said before that the, the calculus on him is probably similar to DeRozan already, where it's like, you know what he is, and what he is is good, but if he's your best player, you're never really going to get there, and it's hard, for, hard to see how they're going to add a, a better player, you know, short of hitting, hitting on another Lowry-type acquisition who nobody sees it being that good and suddenly becomes a Hall of Famer for you.
1: Yeah, it is actually like thinking like it is to that point. Like especially after his postseason last year, it's hard to see like any yeah. any really good playoff team being like
0: that's the guy that's going to put us over the top. It's more like that's the yeah, guy. He's the that... third guy. I mean, would you rather have him or Kyrie if you're the, if you're the next, <laughs> like, type of thing? Um, right. Kyrie's been shooting the shit out of the ball since you know since they put that team together. Yeah, uh, they aren't playing super well, but they you know he's he's really shooting well. So I assume you would rather have Kyrie, but that kind of question of like, is there a team that's that's looking for that that kind of thing or Golden State, right? Would they give up a whole bunch with somebody to to get him for queuing up next year? Because it, as your third or fourth option, he's still... still really yeah, good. I mean, that's you can make... But the, that's not where Toronto is.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's they're going to have... It's going to be really interesting for them. I mean, we'll see. I assume the Heat aren't going to do anything because they're going to be going to play their way into a spot and think they can... Obviously, I think they can play if anyone after last
0: year once they're, their full course there. But that's the who falls. They're out trapped. Of... They're trapped too. Yeah. Miami's interesting. I, like, in the in the long term, you wonder if if they had lost in the second round, if it would have like made them more realistic about where they are, and they would think differently about things. And you know, or is it going to be? Would Harden be there right now in the finals? Yeah, yeah, that kind of question, right? Um, um, but Bam's really good. That gives them something. Like I'd rather have Bam and Siakam so on, on that level I think they're in a better position than, than the Raptors but uh, both teams yeah it's a weird situation for both of them they may be a little bit a little bit caught in in the kind of middle of uh, an improving Eastern Conference
1: all right well we'll be keeping tabs on this all year long here on the winning place pod uh, give Ryan a fall at danger cart on Twitter you can find me at Brian T Rob um, hit us up at winning place pod on Twitter as well please Rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Plays Pod. Um, All that good stuff. We very much appreciate it. And we'll be back with you guys next week to check in on this team as they head out west.